September 24, 2019, it's a lot from Pedro's show.
Walk from Pedro Show. Not in Pedro, though. In Portland, Oregon. Eric Date. Pat. And uh, one of the co-conspirators behind uh, Sightworks, where my show's hosted. And uh, it's great. He's bitching. He just made me some uh, chow. And uh, uh, well, we started the show off with John Coltrane doing Nature Boy li- live version there. And uh, it's about to go down by the eyelids, which is uh, my guest here on the show today, Chris Sloshurenko. That's right, Sloshurenko. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I'm such an asshole. No, uh, no. This is Chris, what's your miles. earliest... Um, no, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. What with practice would get. All right. Uh, what's your... Uh, yeah, I mean, why does my name have two T's? What? <laughs> Make sure it's, it's cool. over. It's cool. uh, that's some of the stuff we don't pick. We can blame our pops. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, something wrong with the culture. We should be able to blame our moss, too. Huh? What's your earliest uh, music... Recollection, Chris? Um, just my parents had records and I just would draw on them and put on, you know, like just Beatles and Stones records and they had like the hair soundtrack and things like that. My parents took me to see Wings when I was eight. We took the train up to Seattle. That's your first gig? First gig. Get this. Jim O'Rourke told me his first gig was Wings. Oh, that's awesome. That's his the mom show. didn't want him to go. Oh, wow. So she fucking... He told me she took a bowl of spaghetti and threw it on his head and shit. And he had to go to the gig with spaghetti in his head. That's a little more evil than my situation. My parents bought the tickets and told us the night before we were going, and we took the train. I was eight. I I I'm, I almost stayed up through the whole thing, and then we took the train that back that night. Worst seats. Like my dad bought tickets the night before. Kingdom. But it was their idea. It was their idea. Yeah, my dad was an architect. My mom was an artist, so they were always listening to things. They're listeners, thought, though. They weren't players. They were listeners. My mom sang, but you know, my dad was into what I called architecture music, like Fripp and Eno, and you know, Noi and things like things that drove me crazy really? as a kid when I wanted to listen to Devo and Peru, but squiggly things. I wanted fast squiggly things, and he liked really ambient things. And but he so, wasn't so square, John. No, they were cool. They and and. Like in junior high and high school, I got really into Ralph Records and then, you know, started looking at other, you know, observing labels, just their entire discography, because you kind of do that back then. And we were too young to go to shows, so they would go, me and my brother would stand outside while Snakefinger showed up. We'd have a record. Oh, Mr. Snakefinger, would you sign this for us? Oh, it's, you know, Eric from, you know, Beefheart Band. And, oh, you know, okay. Found- yeah. But we were like, you know, 15, and then my parents at night would go see the show for us and then tell us how it was. So we were very encouraged, but... um, Can we go back further? Yeah. Was there any instruments in the pad? Uh, I played piano. So there was a piano. Yeah, we had a piano. Okay, this is important. A lot of guests that got on the show went through this, and some it's a horrible thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah. And it seems like the common or the determiner... Is the teacher? What was your experience? I had a nun who was a. It was really strict, and I liked playing piano, but I hated the recitals. I hated what I had to learn, but you know, I just, I just stuck with it. How know? old were you? I was probably ten. So was was it your idea? Yeah, yeah. I want to play. play piano. Yeah, I want to play the piano. So they got a like a. I still have the same piano. It's, it hasn't been tuned. It just sounds horrible. What, what about school? Were you in the choir or the? Jazz no, they made you do. I, no, I remember they made us do stuff like 
in school that made music just horrible they do things like they had this new thing i remember in the early 80s where it was like they were starting to get electronics to kind of teach music to you so they'd have these things where you would sit with headphones on and go ta ta ti ti ta 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 ti ti ta ta and learn different rhythms but like i had no idea what to do with any of that there was no so it's a music class yeah well i'm interested because a lot of schools have eliminated music yeah i've done benefits for the school in chinatown in l.a just to get music in the school, yeah. they got they got to put on benefit the Castellar. Yeah, I did. I you know it was it was a typical uh, you know kind of like all right, you have to take one music class you know uh, in junior high per year, but it was very um, it was very uninvolved. You know they weren't they weren't trying to inspire you or do anything. They were kind of just like let's get this going. Okay, what about the other thing where? Um after school, the the bedroom band or the garage yeah. band or the bass. I was thinking band. about that over here because I remember my first. I picked up. A, I got a bass guitar. It was my first instrument. And I've always gone back and played bass before the piano. No, after the piano. Oh. Piano. And then I stopped piano. Then I got a bass guitar because it was. I just loved. I just what it was, kind of bass. It was a Fender, like cheap. I can't remember. It was just. It's just not very an amp. And it, like a little tiny, you know, like what foot amp, you know, like had gray fur on it, like gray carpet. And I went to a friend's house at school and there I said, do you know religion by PIL? And I said, yeah. And I didn't. And we played it. And I just like tried to follow the three notes. And so it, you st- started copying. That's how many d- d- boom. All I did was listen to records. records. You, you know, you included like I just anything that I could. No, but just, I've had people on the show that they never did that. Oh, that's Actually, all I did. When I met the Black Flag guys, yeah, yeah. these guys did not copy records. They huh. started writing songs. No, I I copied records. I've always thought that was amazing. I I put on I put on anything and and try. I was I was not very good at it. Out what of was the, the first record you bought yourself? Uh, it was um, cheap. Is it cheap thrills? The Janis Joplin. One that had the Robert Crumb cover, I think it's called yeah. Cheap Thrills, just because of the cover. But the first record that I bought that was like mine, uh, that resonated was probably Kiss Alive 2, and then Cheap Trick Budokan, and then Devo, Duty Now for the Future. Those three were like the ones where things started, you know, making, they were mine, you know. So you got this bass. Yeah. You got a buddy, you try to copy this song. Yeah. What did he play? Drums? He played guitar. And my brother played drums. And we okay. Were, yeah, we, that was our first was band. Was he playing drums before you played bass? Same time. Like, literally, like, it was his first time playing drums, too. And why'd you want to play bass instead of guitar? Because uh, it was the fucking coolest instrument. <laughs> I just loved, like, at that time, you know, we were talking, like, 1984. Yeah. Like, you know, things like, you know, Burma, you know, you and, and Ariane, like the bass was just starting to really, I, w- I could hear it for the first time and I didn't really know what a bass guitar did before that. Yeah. I hadn't really paid attention. And all of a sudden I saw it as this cool, you know, weapon, you know, this weird melodic, you know, weapon. And, um, and so my whole life I switched between bass and guitar depending on what I, what band I've been in. So when I was a boy or young, more younger, uh, Basically, it's where you put the lame dude. It was like right field and Lily. Yeah, I didn't know that. I know it. Now, I know that people say that now. Yeah, well, 
after the movement, it changed. It got yeah. more on a level field. But in older yeah. days, and even some great bass players, they were guitar players who moved over because no one yeah. wanted the gig. Well, I had a similar situation to you and D, where you said you would play the strings. You'd be like, I like my loose. I like my well, guitar. we didn't relate it to pitch. Yeah, I didn't we either. We thought if you played down on the corner, that Creedence song, yeah. and it sounded right, you were in tune. But I did the same thing. But you didn't realize that your down on the corner had... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I didn't know. No one told me like E A D G, and so I was like, as long as I can play it, it's it. You know, it's like I guess it fits every. You know, as long as I find it, everyone's just kind of going in their own way. Like I didn't know that it was a structure to it. Who's that other guy? Uh, in the band or well, your brothers? Yeah, my brother Nate, and then this guy Greg Gallant, and we formed a Great. band. So what happened? It kept going. Yeah, we for what? five years we were in a band called Death Midget. It was death and we were like very like Red Cross, butthole surfers, painted Willie a little. We were we were, had start, a song on a Mystic Comp. Did you start you know? writing your own song? We did, yeah. I mean, but you know, when we first came out, the first song you wrote. Yeah, the first song I wrote was called "You're a Nation, I'm a Nation," like "You're a Nation," like yeah, "You're a Nation." Like yeah, because it's 1984, and every show we played had an atomic bomb and Reagan on it. Oh. So. So you were doing gigs. We were playing. We, what was the first gig like? First gig was in Eugene, Animal House, where they fought, shot the movie was a um, a dive like a, a squat. They were tearing it down next week, and it was us um, and uh, Poison Idea and Day, uh, Day Glow Abortions was our first show. And um, how'd you get it? Uh, just ask Poison Idea. There's so few bands. It was just like, you know, we were like, we're a new band. They're like, cool, come play. And then the next night we played in Satirical. Well, I mean, it happened with us with the Flag Guys. We yeah. ended up SST002. And yeah. they were just handing out flyers. They couldn't believe there was a Pedro band. It, there, You know, there was, we. if you look at the calendars in Portland back then, it was like Poison Idea played every two weeks. Miracle Workers played every two weeks. The Rats played every two weeks. Every, there was just not enough to go around. Well, what about Wiper Days? I know. Right? There was, yeah. like, even less. Yeah. One pad, right? Satirica. Yeah, and there was, like... Um, and the 13th Precinct was around a bit. It was an all-ages place that lasted a little. But it was, like, yeah, there was the Neo Boys and, you know, the Wipers and, and you know, um, the Rats and things. But, yeah, very, very little. Yeah. And um, and uh, it, I remember talking to peter buck from rem about like why it took him so long to come to the northwest and he's just like just there was it was not cost effective like looking at it they were just couldn't figure out they thought it was all cowboys and just the wild west up here but we were lucky that we had so many west coast bands keep kicking it totally yeah we were so lucky so we got spoiled with that but you know we never got all the a lot of the east coast stuff sure or midwest stuff there's a Rocky Mountains in yeah. between. Here, I want to play some uh, music from you. Let's see. Uh, Seagulls into Submission.
sohva, nielaisin miehen pääsiäisen Itä-Helsingissä. Asiaa tutkiva poliisi kommentoi. Nämä tällaiset lihansyöjäsohvat ovat paitsi erittäin harvinaisia, myös siitä ikäviä, että niiden ominaisuudet paljastuvat vasta kun vahinko on jo tapahtunut.
Bob from Pedro Show. Uh, is here. Yeah, that was uh, Seagulls into Submission by Eyelids. And then Moon Sugar with Sohudito. Oh, and my eyes, people. <laughs> uh, rough Mix from uh, Kim Boom Brandenburg with Madam Vega's Cuban Dream. Can Can Heads, Man Size Progression, Many Birthdays. Going to see them. Oh, people, I'm on tour right now. That's why I'm here in Portland. But I'm going to see Many Birthdays in Austin. Uh, Lauren with uh, Burdens. And finally, I, uh, Eyelids with Peter Buck and Scott uh, Mackay with Sex Beat, which is a Jeffrey song, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember he would write for. Uh, Kickboy, you know, yeah, and he was slash. ranking, yeah, yeah, slash, right? He was ranking Jeffrey Pierce, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, <laughs> great guy, uh, yeah, really sad, been, and, and yeah, great sad. cats came through his bands, and yeah, of course, uh, like kids out still t- torn and stuff. Yeah, and I had Ward, maybe the slide, one of his slide guys on the show, and Really interesting. Yeah. How, uh, he just brought him in the band. The guy, yeah, the, the story is amazing. Yeah. But back to your story now. Death Midget, they go for five years. Oh, the first yeah. I want to know, yeah. okay, you told me that first gig was pretty big. Yeah. What was it? Tell me how it went down for you. Was it scary? I mean, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, uh, right out of the gate, it was, it was, there was quite a bit of confidence. It felt great. Like playing felt great. We weren't that good, but like, People were excited, and immediately they got physical. You know, they started dancing and and you know pushing each other around. But I do remember about after the fifth song, um, there were some skinheads at the show, which was pretty common back then. And one of them was like, "Hey, let me see your guitar." Target guitar player. He's like, "No." He's like, "No, let me see your guitar." He's like, "No." And we just kept playing, and it still had that weird, horrible feeling. Because it was my first show playing. Get into a fight or anything? No, it was like there was more. There was more. There was more of us than them. But it was. But at. But it. You know that was the beginning of kind of seeing more of that creep into the. (laughs) We had a a similar kind of thing. This is before the movement. Pedro, a live gig was a kegger in the backyard, and the etiquette was. If that dude could play about black dog better than you, he could actually take your guitar and shame you in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And Georgie, you're not getting my drumsticks. Yeah, so yeah. Not- <laughs> no, it's smart. But you know, so your man—that's yeah, Greg, right? Yeah, Greg. And it was original music, you know. So people were just—you know—they wanted to play a Clash song or something, you know. And so, you know, um, but yeah, it was—it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, you know, it just felt great. Even did you guys end up record? We did cassettes. You know, we didn't have any knowledge that you could. You know, to me, like I'd look at things. Like, you know, Homestead, SST, Frontier. And they just, to me, they seemed huge in my head. I was like, these people were asked to be part of something. We haven't. I didn't know that you could self-press your own record. And cassettes were the only thing we knew that we could do at home. And so we just made cassettes for years and stickers and shirts. That's all we did. Thirst made cassettes. He would actually yeah. buy them. Yeah. And then it was exciting. Open, Consign them at the they stores. they called the... the Dual Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did, and um, and it was a it was a weirdo band, you know. Like we were, you know, kind of like 
those like you know in in town we were the band with like you know flaming lips were coming through or killdozer they'd be like get death midget to play with them um we got pretty untraditional one of the early scritty politi records i mean they ended up really terrible but one of the first ones (laughs) (laughs) that guy put the cost of all the shit Oh, How wow. much it cost for the labels, yeah, the yeah. master it, yeah. the sleeves. But that was a trip for us, too, this revelation that you could put out your own records. I didn't know. Yeah. It was It's so simple. I just assumed that even like Poison Idea, it was on Fatal Erection. I just assumed that wasn't them. I didn't know. Yeah. I just thought it was – I just didn't know. So, so we kind of – yeah. This is what my, people ask me about punk. And it's like so many beats per minute and an electric good fat, a guitar. and yeah. It was more of a state of mind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to relate to people that. Yeah. It was, um, and just also time was uh, moved really in a, in a cool way. It'd be like, hey, in three days, the show's happening. You're playing it. And you'd be like, oh, wow, we're playing with the alternatives. Okay. Or we're doing this or that. And it just was in the moment. And, uh, you know, we'd make, you know, 20 of something and then just be like, all right, they're the gone. Game. And then they'd just be like, we're not looking at that anymore. Um, I think, uh, you know, when I work with Robert Pollard later, he has a similar thing where it's just like constant. You know, he wants what, to make... 105 albums now? 106? Exactly. Yeah, at least. Yeah, He's yeah. going to come play New Year's yeah. downtown LA and yeah. do 100 song gig. That's easy. Yeah, I've done about 70 with them, so 100 is nothing. You know, it's like it's time travel. <laughs> he know. did a record with Richard. Yeah, I I, uh, I put that out on my label. That was yours? Yeah, yeah I played it on the show. It was yeah. beautiful. And, yeah. and, and Bob uh, Thirst was the first guy to play him for me. And yeah. he said, there's this teacher, and he does this on the side. Right, yeah, cool. And it, Yeah, yeah. Trippy, too, the, the singing with the English accent. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like, I just like, you know, he owns it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and... Yeah, so prolific. Jesus, yeah. crime and and not a burnout. No, no. Just keeps on keeping yeah. on. Yeah. Such an inspiration. Uh, you know, the first band that could sell out the whiskey was from up here originally. They were called Tupperwares. Oh, Seattle actually. Okay. And Jim was the backup band. Right? Oh wow, okay. Eldon. And they had no guitars. Yeah. And in fact. That grunge thing. I mean, it's all semantic and labeling and pigeonholing yeah. and shit. I remember there was a magazine in Olympia called OP. I had that, yeah. I went to Evergreen. Okay. Yeah. Well, because New Alliance, me and D-Boom were putting ads and things. Yeah. And like Three Bears from Bangkok and the yeah. Beakers. and uh, t- t- Yeah. Uh, it was not big hard rock guitar and the, this grunge kind of invention. Even Mark Arm, he's the only guy I know who uses that word. Yeah. And he he sent us a thing for a mighty fee, but we made a compilation from cassettes. And he was in Mr. Epp. In the oh, yeah, that's right. And it was a skinny tie. Yeah. I mean, that's where, before I got a bass guitar, that's where I was headed. I was obsessed with The Residence, Devo, Wall of Voodoo. I wanted a synthesizer because I knew, to me, moving from a piano to that seemed exciting. Then, obviously, with like the American Underground happening... I just was like, I just, I just didn't know, you know, except for Beatle records and things like that that my parents had. I didn't know much about guitars, 
And, um, and then, you know, except through kiss, but that to me seemed like its own language, right? <laughs> you know, it was like, that is its own we thing. We saw them about four times before they had an album made open for anybody. And the wow. sign was to put light bulbs and shit. It was like, this. <laughs> yes. yeah, but there was something about them. They were compared yeah. to, because we didn't know about rock, yeah. Uh, clubs. Yeah. We only knew Arena Rock. Well, yeah, I we're remember 13 even. 13 in 1970. Our what? first gig was T-Rex. And Yeah. I'm not embarrassed by that though, because T Rex is I still like. <laughs> I love T Rex. He's amazing, and I like but, the first two. I remember when the first out Kiss record came out. We thought it was so slow. It's they didn't play slow. that. My gosh, yeah. it's so slow. But what was your first like non arena show? What was your first club show? That the you, bags. The bags. Okay. This guy, me and D Boone, was jamming with a friend of ours. Yeah, Mark Washington. I think tie your mother down. Some shit like this. Trying to copy uh, records. And we take a breather, and this guy walks by. He's got his hair out yeah. and uh, wearing a Kotex around his neck. He says, Jeff Abisovich, but he's known as Nicky B. Okay. And he says, you know, there's a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. Wow. <laughs> you know, we could, there was something cream about punk or yeah. something, but we didn't know. And uh, first thing out of my mouth, I looked at Deepu and I said, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so empowering. Well, what about touring with Death Major? Did Death Major No, we never tour? did. We never, we played Olympia. That was the farthest we got. And then, um, I just, we just, it just ended. It just, you know, I remember we played a show, not a lot of people there. And it was kind of like, you just had that feeling like we're walking away with our instruments somewhere else. Like we're not. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. By the way, we're at the end of the first hour, September 24, 2019. (laughs) Chris. Slusarenko. That's right. So take it. Hold tight for hour two. September 24, 2019, second hour of the Waff Pedro Show.
straight for the cliff A nose dive of no delight Punish me, remain awake Just Punish me, remain awake Punish me, remain awake Go on the first fight Go on the first fight Go on
Watt for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with the eyelids doing Go On, the first flight. Uh, yeah, that one we did. With Gary yeah. Larman of the Gary Crips. Jarman, yeah. Jarman. I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote a couple songs that were super uh, post-punky, and I wanted a real Northern England voice to sing You know, that word as... is trippy, because like postmodern, like after yeah. modern. Yeah. So it was cool. It was nice. That we, we've had other people sing on our albums. But post-punk was actually just one little period, right? It's not everything after. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like pop group. Yes. <laughs> Slits. Slits, pop group, wire, okay. end of combo, I guess, yeah. Very short. But you were writing in this kind of spirit? Because I want to yeah. get to the islands. How the islands happen? Um, after I was in Guided by Voices. Oh, then we got to talk about this. Death Midget. Yeah. Then Sprinkler. It ends that gig, right? It's yeah. Like we're done. Yeah. Then we start a band, Sprinkler. Who's we? Me and my brother, this guy Steve Birch, and this guy Eric Moore. Um, and and these are all Eugene people? No, Portland. Portland? People. Yeah, we were all I'm Portland. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's Portland. okay. Um, but the Animal we got, House was... Yeah. And we got signed to Sub Pop in 1990. Um, so pre-Nevermind. And then we were basically broke up. I remember the first Sub Pop band, You Men. Is that right? You Men were on... Uh, they were on something. They were on. Uh, uh, they were. Uh, what was it? There was a record store up there that put their record out, and they did the Hell Cows too. Um, Hell Cows. I can't. That dude's house. Mike King. Mike King. Yeah. He's he in did the cover of the Wiper record. Yeah. And I saw the painting. Yeah. And that's where it finally hit me. Windshield wipers. Yeah. I never. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was some Marcel Duchamp. Yeah, I don't think I've even. You know, Raymond that turned me on to art and all this, and yeah. I was reading all these things yeah. in, but it was weird. I saw the real thing. Mike King. Yeah, he's amazing. Okay, and, so, and so you men were kind of like a birthday party. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, they were just, yeah, they're very. So, so what? Party. Bruce comes, sees you play? Uh, Jonathan Sauce played oh. the X ray, and he said, Are you recording for anyone? I said, No, and he gave us his card, and then they, Bruce and Jonathan would take the Greyhound bus down with sleeping bags and sleep on our floor. And we talk about music and I was like, I really like them. I love what they do. But like at the time, all the papers were saying they owed money to mud honey and they were going bankrupt at the time. The label was, but we were like, I don't care. We don't have nothing to lose. Well, you were coming from putting out your own sets. Yeah, exactly. It was exciting. And so, uh, yeah, so we signed in, we did a, uh, uh, one full length and one seven inch, and then promptly broke up. Did you tour? Barely. Barely. Um, yeah, again, it was one of those things where we just didn't know. We didn't have a manager. We didn't have any. We didn't know that you could just book your own things. All this stuff I do now in eyelids, we're self-managed, self-booked, all this stuff. It's it's really easy. But at the time, Sub Pop was like, we'll find someone for you. Cool. That sounds great. And then you wait. And it was a lot, they were obviously dealing with the momentum of their label exploding at that time. And things changed very quickly to us not being as much of a priority. And, and how long so, the band last? Only two years. Yeah. And what made it quit? Uh, the label, Sub Pop were starting to make some demands about changing members and stuff. They wanted different. Really? Yeah. And we said no. And I broke up the band. So, wow. Yeah. It was a bummer. They've apologized since, like, 
Jonathan was like, yeah, we were kind of, you know, they were in the role of record. They were playing the game. You know, they were like playing these roles. No, you know, you, you watch that rough trade thing and yeah. when they try to make Scritty Politi. You know, yeah. And, and yeah, the ethic got yeah. lost, right? Yeah, same with creation. They you just, know, they want to, yeah, right. They yeah. want to be run with the. Yeah, they're just like also like, I want to be a yeah. mogul. And Mayo um, Thompson's talking about that. that thing. Yeah. But it was also, you know, we were young again. And yeah. also, it was the first band I'd ever sang and played guitar in. And so. Oh, you, you, so that's where you make the move. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, why, why'd you leave? Everybody graduates from Pace. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, my, I have people tell me, time, when are you going to move on? Why? No, no. What happened was my, my wife had an acoustic guitar. I'd never picked up a guitar before. And um, and I just wrote a couple songs on it. And the people we got together, he already played bass. And so I was like, I guess I'm going to do this. But I was very limited. I, I still feel like a very... I play the guitar like a bass. I like I'm all angles. And like I, I have... I still don't know all the chords. I can barely do bar chords. I'm like, I'm really a very um, uh, elementary uh, uh, guitar player in terms that I just don't know all the, 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 the things like Pollard was like, I learned, he's told me like, I learned everything. I sat down with a book and learned every chord and just knew it so that he could jump freely around it. Um, And, uh, and I still struggle with like, like, on a bass, I, I I can make the uh, connection a lot easier. Like I did just feel it than a guitar, but it's just kind of where I've ended up so half the time. Okay, I want to play uh, Camelot. Yeah, John sings this. He's the other songwriter in the band.
в легова во Скопје Во Скопје влегува НАТО Те молам пушката злато Секој со своето јато Некој лета колку кавица Затоа чаталот е спремен Спремај катапута злато Се бориме против НАТО НАТО влегува во Скопје, во Скопје влегува НАТО Те молам поде пушка злато, секој со своето играто НАТО влегува во Скопје, ти свири оно да играш Во Скопје влегува НАТО, точно чека на кукавичко јато НАТО влегува во Скопје Во Скопје влегува НАТО НАТО влегува во Скопје Во Скопје влегува НАТО We don't accept your paternalism We don't accept our enemy's vision A foreign platform not in our name Bilingual state, well that's just a game We won't play with greedy globalists Anonymous economists, seedy noblists You criticise nationalists, the platform is nationalist Shake our hands and then you take our lands In the name of God said Delchev, united we stand EU contradiction, George Soros is a snake EU contradictions, George Soros is a snake EU contradictions, George Soros is a snake. EU contradictions, George Soros is a snake. NATO влегува во Скопје. Во Скопје влегува НАТО. Те молам поде пушка злато. Секој со своето јато. НАТО влегува во Скопје. Ти свири оно да играш. Во Скопје влегува на НАТО, тоќо чека на Кукавичко јато. НАТО влегува во Скопје, Джордж Сорос е за снейк. Во Скопје влегува на НАТО, Джордж Сорос е за снейк. НАТО влегува во Скопје, Джордж Сорос е за снейк. Во Скопје влегува на НАТО, Джордж Сорос е за снейк.
Yeah, right. It made the Stratocaster look very small. Sure did. Very powerful. <laughs> okay. People, uh, that was um, Eyelids with um, Camelot, the other songwriter. And uh, after that, Lights, Action, Camera from Another Umbrella with the late great Richard Dare. NATO. <laughs> Excuse my um, Macedonian isn't so good here, but <laughs> NATO, or they probably say NATO, Vlaguva Vo Skopje. And that's a town there from Bernays Propaganda, and it's with Volk Akadonski. Sorry, uh, Brother Vasco, for my fucked up thing. Uh, Dardo after that with Guiding Light, and, and Mooney with Eyelids. Okay, so, yeah, they want you to, they want you to change the band. You don't want to change the band. The band breaks up. So wh- where do you go musically after that? Me and my brother start a band called Svelte. That had a record on Rough Trade. It's felt supple willery. Yeah. Yeah, figure like a football. Exactly. <laughs> that lasts uh, about two, three years. And then I just stopped doing music. I, I opened an a, a, a independent video store that I ran for 22 years. So I just was like starting myself with film and going to shows. And then I got obsessed with Guided by Voices. Um, and I just it was like, it was, there was so much to listen to. It was like, you know, if, if you were collecting them or starting to listen to them, they already had such a massive catalog. And I met Bob and we hit it off really quickly. On How'd our, you meet him? Who came through town? Uh, came through town, went backstage okay. and we talked about, um, Phantom Toll Booth and Thin White Rope and all these bands. And he, oh, wow. he was one of those guys things. you go, oh, Thin White Rope, you're like, you are my Disney. Like he just, damn, I'm like, okay, this guy, like, Soulmates. Well, that's how it happened. You know, people don't understand the the culture of the mixtape. Yeah. And right, we pass these around, yeah. and nope. Yeah. yeah. You do all the bands. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the same way. He, you know, starting in '83, he didn't have any success until like '93 when people started asking him to actually put out records. So he was still at that time, you know listening to all the stuff on Sub Pop, listening to all the stuff on Homestead, you know, just um, what was going on overseas. He was, like, into music, and his daydream was to become, you know, a musician. Nobody at the time, you know, he couldn't give those records away in Dayton. You know, they would often, you know, have, like, record-smashing parties and stuff like that when they were, like, we're bored. Like, we have, we don't want to look at these anymore. Let's just get drunk and smash them. But he, he so told, you need him backstage. Yeah, and then um, you know uh, went out to Ohio a bunch and hung out, and um, he just said someday if someone quits, you know, you should be in the band, and somebody did, and I joined, and it, it was only for a couple of years because he was winding it up for the first time in two thousand four. So I'd already played on a couple records before I was in the band. I played some piano in the studio for him, and then went and played bass on a couple records. What's his? Songwriting process. Uh, he works on lyrics mostly. He'll like he's always writing, writing, writing lyrics. Writing does he lyrics. make demos? Uh, he does, but what he does often is sometimes he'll be like, "I'm just gonna like." He'll he's really quick at coming up with the tune of the thing, and he's just also got such an amazing voice. He can kind yeah. of sing over as abstract or pretty or ugly as his thing is he just makes he inhabits it in a really unique way and then you play it off that yeah and then we would yeah and then so when god of my voices broke up i made a couple albums that were my music 
and he uh, sang on it, and then we did five albums. So that, that without your brother? Yeah. By then, yeah, I yeah I had in between. I'd done a couple projects. Um, one with Jerry, who was in a band called the Miracle Workers. Sure. Um, and we did this album called The Cave Manish Boys in 2000. And then I also put out that Meltzer Pollard spoken record. I did a, a record called Colonel Jeffrey Pumpernickel that I had asked bands to write songs based on my uh, concept album idea I had. So I'd go to Quasi and be like, this song is about this. I'd go to Janet. So, so yeah, and I go to Bong Water she's got and be a car, like, car wreck, yeah, yeah. She's re, she says she's recuperating really okay. well and is expecting. You know we're at the end of the second hour, September twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. Dish swap Peter so special guest Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, okay, time for hour three. September twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. It's the third hour. Watch from Pedro show.
Mm-hmm. 
Watford Peter show. You know, start off the third hour with the eyelids doing my cave in mine and love of our lives with Crane and Faux Fum Jam was live prac. Faux Fum that was a one prac, one gig band. Pedro with uh, Crane, all the other cats, myself uh, helped staking it up. Well, I was the one sticking out. Everybody else was doing pretty good. And uh, International Dead after that with uh, When I Say Us, I Mean You. And finally, Tell Me You Know, Eyelids. So, yeah, tell me about the uh, Yeah, sure. So <laughs> then we basically, uh, after I Got It My Voices broke up, we did these post-Pollard projects. And one of them was Boston Spaceships. Uh, and we did five records. And we had John Mullen was going to be the drummer. Uh, an old friend of mine who has played with like Malcolmus and uh, Elliot Smith and the Decemberists. And he's also a really amazing guitar player and singer. And after that, after Pollard decided to reform Got It By Voices with the original lineup, we decided to just do our own thing. We decided we should just carry on because we were, we were making these records so fast for Pollard. Yeah. And, and you know what it's like, when you just have that uh, no unspoken thing where you're just like first ideas down, you can't believe. Yeah. And you just can't believe the good things that are coming out so quickly. And John and myself had that because Pollard did not give us time. We had no time. So we were, we were working in that mode. And so, um, and then you, you fill up the band with, yeah, with Jonathan Drews on guitar. Um, so we have three guitar players, very different styles um, you know, I'm the more guttural, distorted one pedal person. John's like more arpeggiated and folky. And then Jonathan is ethereal. So we kind of cut through each other in a really lovely way. We, we listen, we, you know, sit out, you know, and come in and it's cool. And then Jim Tolster on bass and, um, and Polly Pulverenti on drums. Cause up until this band, I've never been, Every every time I played a song, it was just on. I played until the song was over. I just did. I filled up the space. And this is the first time where I've just been like, I'll just hit something, just let it ring for a bit, maybe sing a bit, then go into something else. But just it's fun to just kind of let some stuff move around um, on other people's, you know. What was the first gig like? First gig was fun. It was, uh, I got married the same weekend. And so my in-laws came in from Scotland and, uh, it was kind of a cool party and it was, uh, it was good. It, I think we didn't know when we started the band, it was going to be a recording project. So John, myself and Jonathan made a, a record of, we came together, wrote songs in two days, went and recorded it a couple weeks later and then we're like, I guess we should do a record release show. And then we had Jim and Polly play. We loved what they did so much. We went in and re-recorded Whoa. those songs with them, put it out. And then we're like, I guess we should now tour because we're a band. It wasn't going to be like that at all. Oh, I got to ask you who you yeah. came up with the name. Uh, I just, in in my sleep. You, you came Yeah, up. I came up with it in my sleep. I just woke up. I just, the pressure of coming up with a Band Do you know name? we had a, a band in a Hollywood scene called Eyes? Oh, no, I don't think they're I big, did. Yeah, their big song was, if you know the Yes L.A. record. Okay. Blow up Disneyland. Disneyland. I don't think. About blowing up Disneyland. Okay, so where well, they. What happened was there was a, a No New York record. I know that So one. the Danger House put something out called oh, Yes Oh, the Danger LA. House, right. Okay. It's I, one-sided right. and clear. Right. 
and there's a song on there, Blow Up Disneyland, and they're the eyes. And the bass player ends up being the guitar lady for Go-Go's. And is, like, Black Randy and on the that drummer, thing? He's on there. Okay, okay. Uh, but in there, the band called Metro Squad, right? Yeah. And the drummer ends up an ex. Oh, wow, okay. Don Bonebrake. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. The, uh, it just, I just, yeah, coming up with names so hard. It's yeah. so hard. Um, so that gig went over good. Yeah, it's been really cool. No, I mean that first gig. Yeah, yeah, I it was it was fun. I mean, again, these are people we've been all been in, around, right? and we've all been in bands together, but never all at the same time. And so our first forty-five is a drawing of the many things we've been in, but never together. And it's just ludicrous how long it took for all five of us to just be like, "Oh, this is." It. I mean, I've seen you three play. I've seen you four play. You've seen us two seen you know just on right. and on and on um you know uh, sometimes it's just like there you know and you just don't you're just so used to being around these people that you don't know sure what you had kind of. i'm gonna play last music cool uh this is the first song on our new album
been a hit. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. We got a few more. Let's keep the energy up, Johnny. You know I got a reason.
Wap Pedro Show, the last music for this edition. We got eyelids doing Slow It Goes. All live. Yeah, at WFMU, at Monty Hall. Sure. Yeah. Jersey City. Yeah. Love they it have there. gigs now downstairs. It's so great. I love it. I love WFMU. And then uh, Shannon Rhodes from Damien Gerardo. Voices Outside My Head from Groove Creator Method. My brother Phil, he mo- rode his motorcycle up from Mammoth to Sacktown the other night to see me play. He used to work on my other Econoline when he lived in Lamita, the town next to Pedro. And nice. He quit all that and he's doing music. And That's cool. With the rhythm box, like a, a man alone trip. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Eyelids with Bound to Let You Down. Now, now this live one, where was it recorded? Uh, yeah, we did that at Monty Hall. So WFMU now has oh, that right, right. place. But, um, you know, so our, it was like an over the air broadcast, like a whole set. Yeah. Yeah. We, I've done um, some of those, we, uh, I think people, when they see us are really surprised at how kind of hyper and fun and not loose isn't the right word, but just like we're, it's like our records. I think you can listen to it and it, it could feel like, you know, um, kind of pretty and precious and kind of thoughtful. And I think live we're a little bit more off the cuff and funny and like, you know, we just now like to have Jersey, a good time. This is Jersey City. So yeah, yeah. To get there, there was a tour? Yeah, yeah, we've toured quite a bit. We've done okay. the UK and Europe and East Coast a few times and um, West Coast and Midwest. UK and Europe. Yeah. You're with that, uh, yeah, they're not the same one. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I you didn't know say Copenhagen, was... did you play there? Not yet. I played there before though. But you know it's on an island. What? You know it's on an island. And you know, uh, Stockholm. I, I think there's an archipelago there with like thousands. I, I mean, the uh, that, not not to get off the subject. No, no, it's but, okay. but you guys, you tour a lot. So because all these other bands you were in, it seemed like you were kind of Portland bound. Yeah, definitely. Got it by Voices was like really the first band so that Bob, I toured a Bob, lot. Yeah, and then, um, but people have been really supportive of the band. It's been really grassroots. You know, like where can they find you? Uh, out about you on the internet? Uh, musicaeyelids.com or or on you spell that out m-u-s-i-c-o-f-e-y-e-l-i-d-s dot com I think I did that right yeah and then on Bandcamp and yeah 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 you know um, we have a lot a, of the shit that we ain't gonna talk about yeah <laughs> we've got another record coming out in February we went um, yeah I was uh, gonna ask you next plan yeah Larry Larry Beckett so it's recorded it's done yeah we have two things one is uh, with Larry Beckett, who was the lyricist for Tim Buckley and a bunch of other people, uh, we, we went through his archives and and came up with a bunch of stuff. It's very un Tim Buckley what we do with it, but it's real. It was really fun to go through other person's writings and connect with it. Some of it was from '66, some of it was really recent, and it was just kind of. Uh, I was afraid when we were going to do the project that it was going to be maybe a little too historical or we wouldn't sound like ourselves or all of a sudden we're going to be like, all right, we're this folky banjo thing or we're going to be super Tim Buckley. It didn't turn out like that at all. It's really eyelidsy and pretty loud pop. Yeah. Jeff. You can't, yeah, you can't, can't touch them vocally or artistically. So we don't even try. We just did our own thing, but it was cool. What what, what brought that idea? I met Larry at, um, we had uh, mutual friends and uh, then he heard the Eyelids records and loved them as, uh, you know, somebody who was 
LA based and grew up around love and, you know, knew Buffalo Springfield and the birds. He was really kind of, he felt a kinship with what we were doing and just said, if you ever want to, you know, go through my stuff or collaborate, that'd be great. And so, you know, we're, they're all our songs and all his lyrics. There's one song that's a Buckley Beckett composition that's never been recorded. It was from 66 when they were kids called found at the scene of a rendezvous that failed. And we did do that um, with Larry playing on it. But the, but um, then again, it was also really weird because it was like, they didn't, they never knew how this was going to sound like like, if Tim had done it. So, yeah. There was that guy who would write Pete Sinfield. He'd write for all the ELPs and PFMs. Wow. Yeah. And then there was a cat. I remember cream. Like, who's this Brown or it was always a this weird idea concept of the to me. Words were separate from the band. Well, yeah, and, and Meltzer with Blue Oyster Cult. Right, right, like right, right, exactly. But I was always mystified. Like I didn't when he said he wrote for Tim Buckley, I almost was like it's hard to imagine. It just Tim Buckley seemed like Tim Buckley. How did he did he really need a lyricist? Well, but what he in the Mike Barnes did. book. Yeah. This this Berman guy. Yeah. Howard, he was a real dude. They find him in the book from the first Cat Beefheart. Cat Beefheart didn't write all them words. That's crazy. Even uh, Trust Us. Is that right? I didn't even know that. Well, read the book, Mike Barnes. Tom Watson, I gave to a couple years ago. He should have brought on the tour. It's a great book. I mean, every song's in there. You can listen on YouTube.com and follow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. All all 12 albums and all 43 versions of the Magic Band. Man, it's been bitching to have you on the show. Oh, my. It's an honor. You're the best. (laughs) Keep going. Truly. I mean... uh, Advice. Uh, don't stop. Okay. <laughs> you hear that, people? That's great. Great, great advice. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, people, it's been the September 24, 2019 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.